Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. Uh-huh. And the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we go back to the source of so much pain and pleasure at the Cineplex. Don't fall asleep now. It's time to talk about movie sequels in the 80s. Dr. Chandler. Yes. Will I dream? I don't know. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com. And as always, we beg, we plead, if you love our show, share the links on social media. Don't forget to like our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Facebook is at facebook.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Twitter is simply at Stuck in the 80s. And don't forget, we have a website at sit80s.com. Let's all be 80s nerds together in 2018. Steve joining us today. She's been shopping her script for the sequel somewhere else in time around Hollywood for years. It's Jen with one N. <laughs> hey, God, no one will take me up on it. No one will buy it. No one. Hi, everybody. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Hello. Brad, are you, are you now? Are you now? Try to entertain. Are you, is that it I, for now? I, I'm Brad in LA right now. Yeah. Okay. Until the spirit okay. moves me. Gotcha. Okay. Brad B <laughs> might show up if the right opportunity arises, but Brad in LA is where I am right now. That's good. All right. I just want to know who I'm talking to tonight. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. We're talking about movies. So I figured I better be in LA. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> today's topic is actually from Jen, who thought, hey, you know, we've talked about so many of these movies, but we've never really dug into the sequels. So uh, today we're going to talk about some of the sequels to our f- favorite movies, some of our least favorite sequels to any movie. And uh, we're going to wrap the show up with talking about our dream sequels that have never happened or haven't happened yet. Hashtag somewhere else in time. I really think that's going to go somewhere. Here's what's funny. I always kind of think of the sequel, the movie sequel, as being sort of a byproduct of of our lifetime. Like when we were kids, you know, the 70s came around. The 70s had sure. the Godfather movies, the Rock, beginning of the Rockies, the beginning of the Jaws, Superman, even Star Wars starts off in the 70s. But if you do a little research, you find out that Sequels actually go all the way back to 1908 with a series uh, of Danish silent films about Sherlock Holmes. Hollywood is out of ideas, Steve. <laughs> yes. We're still doing them. <laughs> I think about the Three Stooges, right? I always thought that was more of a TV show. But they had a zillion movies. They did. did That's they? true. Yeah, they, they were always meeting somebody, a mummy or a, something. Ah, that's true. 
Uh, Abbott and Costello. That was my big go. thing. Oh, the road movies. Uh, Godzilla road is, movies. Yeah. Yeah. Godzilla is believed to be the movie franchise with the most number of sequels. But today we're going to try to restrict our conversation to movie franchises in the 80s. So either either it's a franchise that had to overlap somewhat in our beloved decade. Either it could be the Rocky movies that began and then flourished in the 80s. Or it could be something uh, as simple as, <laughs> I know we're not going into it, but the... The, the the grandeur of the Porky's franchise. Oh, you know, I just felt like that was too majestic for us to address in a simple podcast. Untouchable. Hashtag too soon. Why do they call you Lassie? <laughs> we'll never <laughs> Way know. too soon. Way too soon. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to break it down to parts. Uh, we're not going to go too negative. But before we get started, I, I kind of want to try to put a framework on this. Okay. Because I don't want us to just kind of say... I like this movie. This movie's great. I, I hate this movie. This movie sucks. I want to help us define what makes this a good or a bad sequel. And to me, and see if you guys agree with me, it's about how well the movie continues the story from the, from the original movie and how much it honors or defames the original. So something yeah, like I'm on board with that. Something like Porky's <laughs> may, <laughs> Porky's Two may have been a brilliant continuation of the saga. But it was neither good, nor does it honor the original, which to me is still one of the more overrated teen classics of the 80s. What? Wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you, we're going to have to put a, put a pin in that. We're going to have to go back to that later, I think. We'll come back to it. But let, me, let me try another one. The, the, earnest, the earnest franchise <laughs> of the 80s. You'll find no defenders of that here. Ugh. Right. We, we will not be talking about that because we, we do not consider the source material to be great nor the derivatives of it. So with all that being said, Brad, why don't you get the conversation started? What is your pick for your favorite uh, movie sequel of the 80s? My favorite movie sequel of the 80s, and to get the sequel part of it, you have to go all the way back to 1968, is 1984's 2010, The Year We Make Contact. Hello, Dr. Floyd. What are you? This is very difficult for me. I don't have much time. I've been allowed to give you this warning. You must leave here in two days. Allowed? By who? You see, something is going to happen. You must leave. What? What's going to happen? Something wonderful. So this was released in late 1984, stars Roy Schneider, Helen Mirren, and John Lithgow, and was directed by Peter Hyams, who also had directed, I think you like this movie, Steve, Outland? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And also I love direct- both. I love Outland and I love 2010. This is a yeah. great pick. And it also uh, he also directed Capricorn One, which I didn't realize. It's not a big success at the box office, but it did get five Academy Award nominations. It didn't win any, <laughs> but it did get nominated. It's an honor just to be in the room sometimes. And look, 2001, look, I'm a sci-fi nerd, book, movie, whatever. I love it. And 2001 is just, it's Kubrick and it's Arthur C. Clarke. And it's amazing in so many ways. But let's face it, the last 20 minutes, nobody knows what the hell is going on. It's like someone (laughs) slipped acid in the popcorn, right? You just don't, you walk out of the theater going, what the hell just happened? And I feel like this is where 2010 
is a successful sequel in that it addresses some of that what the hell just happened. And it still leaves at the end. You're still like, I don't really know how we got here, but at least now I know kind of what happened. It starts out, they're you know back on Earth, and the characters are in the same place we are when we walked out of the movie theater. Like, they don't know what happened, right? So the Russians are heading to Jupiter. They're going to get there first, but they need the American know-how to get the old spaceship and how the computer back up and running so they can figure out what happened. So you've got all that going on. This is 1984. So it's cold war all over the place. There's a lot of kind of that political intrigue that's going on back on earth while these people are up in space trying to work together. It's, I just think this is a really well put together sequel in that again, it it moves the story. It explains some of the things that happens in the first one, but it's also, I think it's a, a fun I wouldn't say it's an action adventure movie, but it's an it's an adventure. You don't know what's happening. The characters don't know what's happening, and you're kind of discovering along with them. And the the characters I think are really good in it as well. Yeah, great, great cast. Does answer a lot of questions. I was watching some of the clips of it right before the podcast, and they still give me chills. Yeah, still I, give me chills. I couldn't find a clip of the one scene that is most memorable to me, and it's when John Lithgow and his Russian counterpart, the two engineers for the, the <laughs> two spaceships, are going for, are going across to Discovery for the first time, and then they're basically going across open space, and Lithgow is just freaking out, and it just to me it feels like the most honest astronaut scene ever filmed, like. I'm in free space. I could drift <laughs> away and no, like there's nothing anybody could do about it. Like I'm going to die out here. They're yeah. just, he's coming unglued and everyone's kind of trying to keep him calm and, and they get over to the other side and everything's fine. Fantastic movie. The way you describe this movie sounds so interesting to me. I was very quiet just now because I was too scared to go see the movie <laughs> <laughs> when it first came out because space does terrify me. I think it's just, I don't understand it. And I, I I'm just the kind of person who would prefer her feet and her stories to be here on Understood. earth. Um, That's cool. <laughs> so, I, so maybe one day I'll, I'll have the courage to watch 2010. I think you could watch it without watching 2001 first. If you, I, I think there's enough of yeah, 2001, yeah, the, the bones of it are in 2010 that you could pick it up. But you know, if, you, if you're not looking okay. for that app, all right, maybe I'll check it out. I, to be fair, 2001 is kind of amazing just because of what Kubrick did in 1968 to make that movie. It looks amazing. Right. So, Jen, what's your pick for favorite movie sequel of the 80s era? I am going a little bit outside of the box, and I, I appreciate the latitude, <laughs> Steve. But, um, but I chose the sequel, Terminator 2. I need to know how Skynet gets built. Who's responsible? The main most directly responsible is Miles Bennett Dyson. Who is that? He's the director of special projects at Cyberdyne Systems Corporation. Why him? In a few months, he creates a revolutionary type of microprocessor. Go on. Then what? In three years, Cyberdyne will become the largest supplier of military computer systems. All stealth bombers are upgraded with Cyberdyne computers, becoming fully unmanned. Afterwards, they fly with a perfect operational record. The Skynet funding bill is passed. The system goes online on August 4th, 1997. Human decisions are removed from strategic defense. Skynet begins to learn at a geometric rate. It becomes self-aware at 2.14 a.m. Eastern Time, August 29th. In a panic, they try to pull the plug. Skynet fights back. Yes. It launches its missiles against the targets in Russia. Why attack Russia? Aren't they friends now? Because Skynet knows that the Russian counterattack will eliminate its enemies over here. Jesus. 
so Terminator 2, obviously the sequel to the my favorite sci-fi movie of all time, Terminator. Um, and yes, it is. It was made in 1991, which is just just skirting <laughs> the line of um, the decade of the 80s. But I, I, I wanted to pick it because it's so good. It's like so good just on its own. And I guess that that's the see, that's how I chose a would choose any sequel mm-hmm. is like as being it's very enjoyable. good is it's yeah. on its own exactly and it does build on the source material and it does um you know move the characters forward and and um, advances the plot and all that stuff but it's it's as good as the original i think and in terms of the technology and the the, the effects yeah. it's certainly better i, I think no, we would all agree like when you think of that oh, sure. scene in the first one where he's poking ah, his eyeball out. yeah so that's all gotten better. Um, but what I think is fascinating about this movie is it's sort of, it is a 1991 and it does for me, it like draws a line in the sand between eighties action movies and movies in general and nineties action movies. Cause like the tone is so much darker than the first one, I think. And so much more, I think if I'm remembering the two movies correctly, more about sort of technology. And like even more than the first one, but I think too, like in, when you think the, of the character Sarah Connor, this is—I loved Linda Hamilton so much. I was completely blown away by her performance and by her whole evolution. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. But when you just look at her body, how hard it is, and how muscular, and I was like so. And I think I may have talked talked about her her forearms and arms <laughs> in a form in a previous episode. But it's so different from the waitress with feathered hair Linda Hamilton that we see in the first yeah, one. Yeah, she's proper hard. You know? She is proper hard. Exactly. And it truly advances the story that she becomes a soldier in her own right. But it also looks like what happened to movies in the 90s. They started getting harder. They started getting more... Grittier, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah grittier yeah. maybe. But anyway, yeah, I love this movie and I think it was in the trailer where that great line where he's where the Terminator says to her, come with me if you want to live. That whole flip, yeah. I think, is genius. I love it. I, I, I can watch so Terminator 2 like on, on a repeat loop for years at a time. That, that movie never, never gets old to me. Yeah, agreed. And, there's, and, and I think there's not really a sequel after Terminator 2 that l- remotely lives up to what Terminator 2 gave us. Okay, now I'm kind of picturing. Yeah, I kind of pretend it's stop it. Now I'm kind of picturing Steve sitting on his couch and having a Groundhog Day life where he just watches Terminator <laughs> Two every day, and he's like, "That's cool. Oh look, the bourbon's full again. That's cool. Oh look, the bourbon's cool again. Oh, that's cool." Oh, you, you don't have to picture that. Like he wouldn't bother going out and catching kids, you know, catching kids falling out of trees and changing old lady tires. He just watched Terminator Two. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. That's pretty much what I do now. That's exactly my life. Thank you. <laughs> I don't remember what show I was watching. It may have been Silicon Valley. I, I can't be certain. Somebody wrote down a fake place where they worked and they wrote down Skynet, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Yeah, you get extra points. Any, any job you work at, if someone mentions Skynet, that's exactly how Skynet started. If someone says that in a meeting, that, that's, it's a good day. Right. Mr. Chairman, I need to make myself very clear. If we uplink now, Skynet will be in control of your military. But you'll be in control of Skynet, right? Oh my god! Okay, here we go. You guys ready? This is the obvious. <sighs> what do you got for us, Steve? This is the obvious. What do you got yeah. for when us? I, when 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 Jen first came up with this idea, this movie flashed before my eyes, kind of like Dirk Diggler's name flashes before his eyes in Boogie Nights. I give you 1982's Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Khan, you've got Genesis, but you don't have me. You are going to kill me, Khan. You're going to have to come down here. You're going to have to come down here. 
I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. And I wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me. As you left her. Marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. So are you ready for me to blow your mind a little bit? Try me. I don't think this movie scores very high on my previously established scale of how well does it continue the original story. But stick with me as I explain it, and you'll find out that it really does. Okay, so uh, how Star are you Trek Two, Wrath of Khan. This one, Spiercy. This is not the Wrath of V. Star Trek Two. <laughs> Star Trek Two. The Wrath of Khan is a sequel, in name at least, to 1979 Star Trek The Motion Picture, which we all know is a giant shit burger oh, that's still floating through space today. We could not disagree more. I mean, it's a it's, oh, it's, it's an episode of the TV show. It's a two-hour episode of the oh. TV show, but come on. Yes. It's not right. awful. It, it's, it's not worthy of being the first movie in an esteemed franchise. I think it's perfect. I wouldn't change a but thing. Nonetheless, I think it's a it's a bridge, right? It's a bridge. <laughs> it's a bridge. Not not like the bridge, but <laughs> but here's my point. No, it is not a continuation of um, the motion picture in, in any way that I can rem- recall, except for that the crew is back together, right? And the red but, uniforms are still around, right? But it is in fact a continuation of an episode from the original series from back in 1967 called Space Seed. The episode that introduces Ricardo Montalban as uh, Khan, the villainous creature who is dead set upon getting his revenge on Captain Kirk. Khan! So it is, it is a sequel, but it's just a sequel to a t- – it's, it's as far apart time-wise almost as Brad's 2010 to 2001 is. Yeah. But it's just not a sequel of the original movie. Now, after Star Trek II – the story arc does continue. Star Trek Three becomes the search for Spock. Star Trek Four becomes the voyage home, and so you have that three movie story arc that does continue. So, so Star Trek Two is the beginning of a great trio. Well, no, it's not. It's, it's a trio. It is a not trio. all great. Star Trek Three is it is a trio, but they're not all great. Star Trek Two, Star Trek Four, great. Star Trek Three, pretty bad. It is the lettuce on the shit burger that is the motion picture. So there we go. It's I the really roughage. wish you would stop that speaking one. so ill of the motion picture. I'm going to put unwatchable things in your ear. We put creatures in our bodies to control our mind. Anything you put into my body will die from the alcoholic content of my mm. blood. I am confident of that. That's why I drink. I'll have to breed them for high alcohol um, content. <laughs> <laughs> but Star Trek 2 still, to me, it's still a top 10 sci-fi movie of all time, not just the 80s. It is a easily the movie that gave Star Trek a second life because it if would not have flourished if it had just ended with the motion picture. And it, it is just one of the most quotable movies there ever was. Period. Explanation point. Dot dot dot. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what my my fascination with punctuation is today. Hey, before we move on. 
our readers had some of their favorite picks that they gave us. Oh, yeah. You know, this is one of those times where you know, sometimes we ask for reader suggestions and we get a hundred different answers. This time we didn't. Every, everyone kind of agreed on what the best and worst Pretty focused. Were. So not going not gonna to name names, but the ones that the listeners loved, uh, Empire Strikes Back, which is a great pick. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Rambo, which is the actual First Blood Part 2. Aliens. Yeah. Which. Yep. Imp- that's just. If that hadn't been so popular pick. with the listeners, I might have taken it myself. It yeah, is that was just my second choice right. behind so T2. Yep. So good. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which to me is almost as good as the original uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know Jeff and Cuba uh, made a strong case for the Road Warrior being yep. a sequel to Mad Max. I was thinking about that too. That's a, that's a good yeah, choice. I agree with that one for sure. And, of course, a lot of love for the uh, Back to the Future sequels. Although some people didn't love them. Some people love the first one and not so much the second one. But Yeah. I, I've always liked the dystopia of the second one. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> yeah. It says a lot. You picked 2010. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 80s Nation, did you know that 66% of men lose their hair by age 35? And, hey, that's cool. If you want to rock the Professor Henry Jones look from The Last Crusade, that's your call. Just keep in mind Sean Connery is 87 years old right now and still better looking than you are. Here's the thing you need to know for now, though. You can do something about it. Stuck in the 80s is working with our partner, 4hims.com, to fight hair loss. Stop worrying about a receding hairline or a growing bald spot and listen up to what 4hims.com can do for you. 4hims.com connects you to real doctors who offer real solutions, no snake oil pills, no late night TV goofiness, this is true. My dad lost most of his hair when he was in his twenties and wore oh, no. a toupee all the way. Yeah. Wore a toupee through the seventies. That is a sequel, my friends, that I want no part of. And I don't have to. I can just go online, answer some questions about my hair loss, my skincare, my sexual wellness, and boom. A real doctor will magically appear like Gazoo in the Flintstones, review my situation, prescribe the right medicine. It's shipped directly to me, no fuss, no doctor's office, no stress, which is good for my heart. And right now, Stuck in these listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5. That's a trial month for just $5 while supplies last. See the website for full details. Website, you say? That is 4 slash 80s. Got that? F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash 80s. Get a handle on your health. Get ready to rock the red carpet again because we're about to continue our chat about movie sequels in the 80s. Okay, here we go. So we try not to frame things as being truly bad in the 80s. Let's just say that these movies that we're going to talk about next failed to complete their mission. Can we, can we, can we all agree on that? Sure. They're, they're, not, they're not the cesspool, the garbage can of refuse floating through space like Star Trek The Motion Picture was. They, <sighs> you stop that. They are, in fact, lost children. <laughs> Seeking the Isle of Misfit movie sequels. And uh, we're going to each pick one today. Uh, Jen, Brad and Ellie's kind of wound up. Why don't you go first? Sure. Well, of course, I'm going to pick two. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, what, <laughs> but one's very brief, and it, it kind of goes along with the uh, framework that you have set up so nicely. So the movie that I'm choosing is from 1983. It's the sequel to 1977 Saturday Night Fever, and it is, of course, called Staying Alive. Tony, why did you come here today? I don't know. I got, I got a lot of things on my mind. Like what? What things? 
I don't know, the way I used to act around you, the way I treated everybody, I was very hard on you. And I, I just, I just wanted to say, it's not me, all right? That wasn't me. What, are you kidding me? No, I'm apologizing to you. Apologizing for what? What are you saying, that that wasn't the real you back then? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I had a lot of attitude, and I, I just didn't like it, and I just... I don't believe this. Believe it. Oh, well, I don't believe it. Don't get fresh with me. This movie is so bad. Yeah. Well, is it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Let- <laughs> let's, let's see what Jen thinks. Let's discuss. So, so let me just... Yeah, let, let me remind everyone just uh, what exactly this, um, we'll call it a film, mm-hmm. is. Um, so this was directed by Sylvester Stallone, who, if you'll recall, had a cameo yep. in the street, like they're in the streets of New York, and he, uh, uh, Tony bumps into him and, and of, oh, ha, ha, it's uh, Sylvester Stallone. And his brother, actually, Frank Stallone, has a small part in this movie as well. But um, so it, And he sings a song, Boundary, yeah. too, doesn't he? Oh, yes, he does. That's right. That's right. Um, and of course, uh, Fanola Hughes, who was in General Hospital and All My Children, and a fantastic dancer, and our friend Cynthia Rhodes, who was in Dirty Dancing, and of course, Flashdance. And I was looking at Wikipedia at the cast, and Joyce Heiser from one of just one of the guys is in this movie, which I don't remember, I remember. at all. Huh. Yeah, she she no. plays a role called Linda. Oh. So, <laughs> so those are our, yeah, those are our people. And okay, so Saturday Night Fever was a great great movie and it, it had all kinds of things to say about sort of class and and um that that time when disco was a thing but if you were a tough guy maybe it wasn't great i mean there was a lot to that movie so when staying alive came around in 1983 it was a truly 1983 movie i mean it was so like glitzy and shiny and and it really doesn't feel like it was even made on the same like it was made on film the way Saturday Night Fever was, if that makes sense. Like the way it's shot is so just glitzy. I can't think, think of another word to describe it. Uh, do you guys remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, if you were on TV right now, I'd probably actually sit down and watch it. I swear we've talked about this movie in some, oh. at some length on this podcast, but I can't remember the circumstances. Uh, we sh- I, what I remember this movie at the time was we had it at the movies in Weatherford for one week. Yeah. And then it was gone. Sounds about right. Yeah. I'm saying that this is one of the worst sequels of the 80s, but I love it. (laughs) I love this movie. I love the like solid gold dancer clothes. I mean, at the time I was like, oh, Broadway so exciting. Like that, that's not what Broadway was at all. Like it's, it's actually quite the opposite. It really is like just a huge episode of solid gold. Um, just the style of the dance and, and, oh, just those dances I thought were so, fascinating and, and, and cool at the time. And now I look at them, I'm like, oh my God. But I love this movie so much that when I had a, I think I was turning like 12, maybe? Whatever birthday I was celebrating that year, I had already gone to see Staying Alive. And then my parents said, you can invite a few friends and go see a movie. And this is the movie that I chose. Wow. So, which is a, I know, I know. But I, I do, I, I love this movie. Um, it's, it's not good. It's not good, but yeah. it's so entertaining. And again, yeah, I agree with you, Steve. If it came on TV, I would, I would sit down and watch every single minute um, of it. Definitely. Just like, I would eat it like yeah. a big bowl of little Smokies. So, yeah, I Groundhog like it. Day 2. <laughs> 
the staying alive edition. Oh my gosh. But I, okay. So, so I, I'm mentioning staying alive as my pick, but I have to say, and I, it, this, I didn't really pick this as my main choice because it's in 1996, the sequel. The Evening Star mm. is the sequel to my favorite movie of all time, Terms of Endearment. And when you love mm. a movie as much as I love Terms of Endearment, and they come out with a stinker like Evening Star. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I was so angry. I was so, I would have preferred. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I would pre- have preferred. And there's, when we talk about what um, listeners proposed as the worst sequels, it makes you just, it hurts your feelings that you're like, you took <laughs> this great movie yeah. that I have so much affection for and just made this piece of gross. Like, anyway, so just real quick, Evening Star is 13 years after um, the movie Terms of Endearment. Of course, spoiler, um, the main character, Emma, dies. And she has children who Shirley MacLaine then right. winds up raising. So like Juliette Lewis is the, is the oldest daughter and Scott Wolf is one of the brothers. And the, the casting was really great actually. But, um, oh, what a terrible movie. Yeah. So bad. And I, and again, I, I just pretend it was, it has never been made. That, that is a sign of a really truly that's bad. That's how I feel about, that's how I felt about Dune for 20 years. So I, oh, I get you. Boy, don't even get started on that. Uh, okay, Brad, <laughs> you're up next. Tell us. Tell us what movie truly disappointed okay. you in the 80s. Steve, I know you said we don't work negative here. Well, <laughs> let's, let's, we, may be, we may be changing that. I give you 1987's Teen Wolf 2. Yeah! It's that dog you were dancing with. You want to stop the fight? Hell no. Go on. Ugh. Where where to start? This is just it's so bad. But some facts and figures here. 1987 sequel to the surprise hit Teen Wolf, which, as we know, starred Michael J. Fox and sat on the shelf for some time to cash in on his uh, Back to the Futureness. The original Teen Wolf was made on a budget of 1.2 million dollars and did 80 million dollars in box office in 1985. So of course they're going to make a sequel. Mm. And when I say sequel, I mean a naked cash grab. <laughs> But this this movie is a bad rewrite of the original. Jason Bateman is Scott Howard, the original Teen Wolf, Todd's cousin. And the only two cast members that reprise their roles are Mark Holton as Chubby, who somehow shows up at college with the cousin Todd, and James Hampton as O.W., original werewolf Uncle Harold. But they recast Styles. He also ends up at the school and... Todd and the Chubster are on the school boxing team. Because, of course. What? Yeah, so you take it from here, Steve. With only the original movie as your guideline, what happens next? Well, again, this... Does he transform and change his personality? Yeah, happen? okay, check He's that only- box. Does he, <laughs> does he beat the bejesus out of people as a, as a werewolf? Yeah, well, who would get in the ring with that animal? Number three, you know, does he learn a valuable lesson about himself and decide to fight it as himself at the very end? And against all odds, when both the girl that she truly loves and the competition that I can't understand why he's even in, check that box too. It's so bad. Yeah. It it fails miserably on the Spearsonian scale of sequels in the sense that it 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 defames the original. No continuity. No continuity. Barely. I mean, none none to speak of. The only thing I'll say nice about it, fantastic soundtrack. Um, you're right. The clips do have the clips I found today had some pretty good music underneath. <laughs> 
But I'm like, is there really college boxing? I actually had to look, and and there is, but it's not an NCAA sport. There's not very many schools that actually participate. Oh my god, just really bad. <laughs> Whoever came up with this? Excellent research, Brad. <laughs> well, you know, it's just so strange. Like, just, I can't, I can't believe this story. I can't suspend my disbelief. There's not that many colleges that participate. In and boxing. the boxing scenes no. look like they, they were shot in a middle school gym. I mean, it must have been cheap. They, they saved money on the extras, too, because they only hired about 10 people. Yeah, there's there's really about 20 members in a whole yeah, cast. This baby made less than $8 million in box office, which frightened the studios to death and helped keep the 90s free of any sort of Teen Wolf shenanigans. So, you know, millennials, if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. You know what's amazing, though? It's Jason Bateman. I was it thinking do, it doesn't that. kill his career. Yeah. No, and he he recovers he somehow. Steps away. He lands without getting his shoes in the the mud, if as it were. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He I mean, he's not anything like himself, but he is the star of the movie. Yeah, but he wasn't in a lot of movies at the time, right? Like it wasn't until no. he was right. So, what? Another thing I do like about this movie, though, is the title, because you see, oh. he is a Teen Wolf. Too. Also, I really that's that's that may be the best part of the whole movie. It could very well be. It could very well be. Yeah. Okay, Steve. Now that we've talked about that lovely piece of filmmaking, what do you got for us? I'm going to make this fast and clean because once I start talking about this movie, you're all going to want to kill yourselves. Are you ready? 1984 gave us a movie simply known as Meatballs Two. Do you like me or not? Yes, I like you. But I think we should set a good example. Oh, well, look, nobody knows we're here. This is a great place. Not like that spot last summer. Uh, no, 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 no. All those kids? All those flashbulbs? No, 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 no. Or that time down at the lake? Oh, oh, Fanny, look, snakes only come out like that once a year. Who remembers this one? Does anybody honestly remember I never saw it. It's I saw awful. it on HBO one summer, and it was HBO. I had nothing to do, and I hated it then as a kid. Yeah, awful. Pretty bad. Awful. It uh, stars Richard Mulligan and John Larroquette. It bears no resemblance. I, it, the fact that it takes place at a summer camp is the only thing that you can say that it has in common with the original Meatballs, which was actually 1979. But yep. let's face it, it was released in Canada. Most people didn't see it till the 80s. The camp's not even the same name. It's Camp Sasquatch because isn't that cute? Of course. There's two plots in it. One is the uh, the camp's owner, Richard Mulligan, fighting to keep his camp open after the villainous camp owner from across the lake is trying to buy it up. You know, pretty tired plot point. Oh, no. It's the second plot point that we find so interesting. The campers are trying to protect an E.T.-like alien named Meathead from mm-hmm. the adults. The alien was, of course, dropped off at the camp by his parents for the summer. What? Beyond that, I refuse to comment further on this. What point. are you talking about? This, this is what this movie is. That does not make... Oh, oh Brad, my Brad, can I tell gosh. you how he gets his name? This is the only thing I remember from that movie. Don't tell this me too much because I can I feel it making me stupider already. Okay, this will drop your IQ points a few. So the the way he gets his name, me, Ted, is the kids are talking to him and they're introducing themselves and one of the boys says, me, Ted. And I'll... That's oh, it. Oh, no. yeah. That's the only thing some. I remember from that movie. <laughs> now I need to go home and read some book or something. Before you do, let's hear some honorable mentions from our listeners for other sequels that didn't quite hit the target, let's say. Caddyshack 2 was overwhelmingly picked by our listeners, rightfully so. 
Yeah. Grease 2, named by quite a number of people, even though I think uh, Jen and I would disagree with that. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. Got to use the full name. <laughs> and uh, Short Circuit 2 were all named by many, many, many fine listeners. I almost went with Short Circuit 2, and then I remembered, oh, wait, Teen Wolf 2. Even Teen less Wolf sensible. Um, I thought about entire- just... I thought I'd just seeing if I could piss off the listeners by going with worst sequel as Temple of Doom and best sequel as Last Crusade, just to see if I could rile people up. But I didn't think I could sell it, so I decided no, no. not to. A lot of people did name uh, Temple of Doom as a bad one, too. Hey, when it comes to dinner, there's no need to play around the same menu over and over again. Unlike me, playing uh, staying alive on an endless loop while I drink wild turkey. That's why we here at Stucky Needs couldn't be happier to be working again with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step in recipes and ingredients right to your doorstep. I got a new box of food this week. The meals all look amazing, especially the Melty Monterey Jack Burgers. Mm. Because all my meals are made from fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rate sources, I feel good about myself when I make uh, dinner. Both Brad and I are loyal HelloFresh customers, and for good reason. Yeah, for me, it's all about the enjoyment of not planning dinners. I can spend my time with my family and my horrible children who are home from college for the summer and eating everything in sight. But I can still relax knowing all the ingredients for dinner are in the fridge waiting for me when I get home. And meals are almost always ready in 30 minutes or less. And that's important for me because I have to drive like 90 minutes home every day from Disney. And the last thing I want to do is spend two hours making dinner. Last night I got home, I made the cherry and balsamic glazed pork. It came with this amazing sauce that I made from scratch myself. So simple. Mm. And it also came with fresh potatoes and broccoli, which I roasted in the oven. Incredible meal. I had the leftovers today for lunch. Just incredible. But that's really the key we always forget to talk about. HelloFresh gets you out of that recipe rut and encourages you to cook meals that you might think are outside your comfort zone. Yeah, but once you see how easy it is, you realize it's right inside your comfort zone. And because you're a listener to Stuck in the 80s, you get a special deal. Save $30 off your first order of HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash Radical30. And then order using the promo code RADICAL30. It's a small change from how we did it before. There's a new URL, hellofresh.com slash RADICAL30. But then also remember to use the promo code RADICAL30. You'll be helping out the podcast and you'll be helping out your family. You know what would help out this podcast right now? The Seggies. Uh, the mystical refrain that is listener mailbag. We, uh, we're getting some more email these days. We appreciate it. It's nice to be thought of, especially, uh, considering it's the dog days of summer. I'm sweating my something off. My, I'm sweating my meatballs off down here Oof. in Florida where it's like 96 degrees in the day and then it rains torrentially for like three hours. Is that really a surprise to you after you've lived there for like 30 something years? You know, it's still like a cruel slap in the face every single day, but thank you for being sarcastic about it. So we got this letter today from Hammertown Kilo Kyle Betty. Beatty? Betty. I'd go with Beatty. Beatty. There you go. Beatty. And because Brad's uh, feeling like a wise ass, he's going to read it. You bet I am. Kyle writes, hello. I'd like to thank you all at Stuck in the 80s for the best podcast. Hey, we like this guy already. I really look forward to each and every new podcast. So I just wanted to say thanks and share a story on how I got stuck in the 80s. I was just a kid in the 80s, so I really didn't get into the music or movies, really, until I was about 15 years old, and it was the 90s. Oh, no. Yep, the 90s, not a good time for me, but I found out about all the goodness of the 80s, and it really changed my life. 
It was the summer of 1993 when I discovered the music of the 80s. My dad and I were out in the backyard, and my dad was playing a lot of Duran Duran, Mike and the Mechanics, Midnight Oil, and Hall & Oates that summer. I asked my dad, what year is this music from? And he told me the 80s. So I started looking into the music of the 80s, and I totally fell in love with all of it. I knew I was an 80s kid already because my favorite cartoons came out of the 80s. Transformers, Robotech, Voltron, Gundam Wing, and many others. Then I saw Back to the Future, and my whole world changed. Right then and there, I knew it was 80s city for me. Now I love everything from that decade. I watch all the movies I can from the 80s, and my favorite bands also come from the 80s. Midnight Oil, U2, The Tragically Hip, Straight Cats, 80s era Bowie, Duran Duran, Mike and the Mechanics, and many others. Every time I hear them, I can't help but think of my dad, who passed away when I was 22 years old. Thank you all for being stuck in the 80s. I was wondering if you'll ever do a show on Weird Al in the 80s. Weird Al has a lot of great hits from the 80s and is one of my all-time favorites in music. Thanks for the podcast. Hammertown Kylo, Kyle Beatty, 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 Kyle Beatty. Beatty, Beatty, Betty. Uh, I think we had a Weird Al show, don't we? We did. Kyle, we did a, um interview with Weird Al back in 2010. If you go back and look, it's episode 2004. And my 204. Reckon, Kyle, we did actually do an episode with Weird Al. It was an interview with him. From 2010, not the movie, the year, episode 204. And my, my recollection of it is it's really hard when you interview someone who's funny for a living because they rarely are funny during an interview. They're, right. They're very just, no, I'm, I'm Al, you know, and yeah. you keep, you keep expecting him to break out into his shtick and he doesn't, but it's still it's like it's, you buy a ticket. If you want to see that show, you buy yeah, a ticket. Yeah. So anyway, but go back and listen to it, episode 204. In the meantime, we love your emails. Just send them to podcast at sit80s.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for a mystery movie moment. Um, you know the drill here. We'll play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the uh, drawing for a stuck in the 80s bottle opener. Right? Still got them? You bet. We still got them. Can't God, how many did you buy? I order in bulk, dude. <laughs> I order other things in bulk. Can I have one? Do you not have, I have one? one? No. Well, we'll, <laughs> May I we'll, have we'll one? Set you, we'll set you up with Send one of your addresses. On the, the next 18 months, I'll get Oh, you know what? I have some <laughs> stickers set aside for you, too. I'll just put it in with those. Stickers? This is very exciting. I know. Uh, pay attention. Here's the clip from episode 363. Now, how much notice do you think you'll need to start acting normal? <laughs> That's Funny Farm. Not so funny, but still a decent movie. <laughs> but there was a farm. Definitely a farm. Yeah, was a farm. Mm -hmm. uh, Jen, read some of the winners. Winners include Dave Augie August, Canuck in Colorado. Colorado, right. Congratulations on your move. Kirk Meany, Jeff in Utah, Zon Krava, Eric from Tennessee, Brock in North Dakota, and Eric Newell. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. How am I supposed to get ahead in the family? Huh? The same way you always have. Lie, cheat, steal, kill. If you know it, email us at podcast at SITs.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. Well, let's face it. Tune in next month to find out if you're a winner. Just tune in. Ah, <laughs> uh, the musical refrain that is Dan that 80s tune. We're on the home stretch. Spearsy is fading. It looks like he doesn't have the power to finish the show. We will play a snippet from the 80s. It will be a song. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing. You know the drill. Don't make me say it again. Pay attention. Here was the clip from episode 383. That's The Flame by Cheap Trick. 
lot of people got this one, Brad. Yeah, didn't fool a, didn't fool a darn <laughs> single listener. But that's okay. We, we like participation around here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad sometimes puts in the clips and doesn't tell me ahead of time what he's picking. Like, this last show that was last week had a TV theme song. And I, I would have bet money I, would not, I was not going to get it. As soon as I heard it, I recognized it, which just shocked me. Since it's, it's a show I saw once, <laughs> ever. And uh, I think about wow. t- 10 people have uh, answered it correctly so far. So. Yeah, we're getting some participation there. I like that. I do. I do. Uh, but nonetheless, Jen will be punished by having to read all the names. Glad to. Winners include Joe Siski, Dave, no middle name, Sadio, Buckeye Girl, Stuart, Fort Smith, Arkansas, Ed from West Seattle, Eric in Seattle, Nate Johnson, Rick Parker, Scott S., Jeff Penne Pasta, Chris, living on the air in Cincinnati, Adams, Alan Titus, Tom Korn in Austria, Andrea Krava, hmm... Peter Ryan, Joseph Perdue, and Amy in Naperville. Are they the married, those Kravas? Indeed they are. Indeed they are. Okay. Oh, I remember them yep, from yep, another. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. And they will be on the 80s cruise this year. Both of them. Both of them. Oh, so awesome. Awesome. Uh, so fun. See you at the prom. inside this year. Check true. Uh, let's see. Okay, Jen, spin the wheel. Let's find out who wins something. Okay, I'm feeling Linda Hamilton strong, so... Please <laughs> don't break the thing. <laughs> you know how much we paid for that? I do. <laughs> Take him out of somebody's budget. Uh, well, what do you know? It's going to end right there between the names of Zahn and Andrea Krava. What are the odds? So, oh. Well, if it's in between them, that means nobody wins. Nobody wins. <laughs> Yay! Nobody wins. You get one bottle opener. And Zahn better take care of it. That's all I'm saying. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. If you know it, email us. You know the email address by now. Don't make me say it again. You're going to email the, whatever email address you have in your address book anyway. There's some people who still email me like ancient addresses that I no longer get anymore. But uh, I'm, I'm rambling, aren't I? I'm rambling. A little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> it is a podcast. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Stop bursting juice. A burst of refreshing fruit flavor for you. Tastes like mouth-watering orange, strawberry too. Luscious lemon and tangy cherry. A burst of refreshing fruit flavor for you. The flavor of real fruit comes bursting through in our new Starburst Strawberry Pack. Naturally and artificially flavored. Hey, we got a few minutes left. I thought let's end on a high note by talking about some sequels that we still wish for today. I'll oh, go f- yeah. I'll go first. History of the World Part 2. <laughs> and I think I may have mentioned this on a previous show. Uh, at the end of the first Mel Brooks movie, he teases History of the World Part 2. Yeah, there's a little trailer there, isn't yeah. there for it? Right. See, Hitler on ice. And... There were Jews out in space. We're flying along, protecting the Hebrew race. I I thought, I I know I've said this before, I thought it was a real thing. I really thought it, honest to God, thought there was going to be a History of the World Part II. To not get the joke whatsoever. But that being said, 30 years later, I would actually like to see History of the World Part II. So there you go. Jen, what is your uh, pick for the sequel you still wish would happen? I had to pick something I don't like too much in a way, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I just would hate to be disappointed. So it's a movie that I like very much and I would be curious to see where all of those folks ended up. Um, St. Elmo's fire part two. 
and I call it fireier. <laughs> but well, yeah, just, I'm just kind of curious. <clears throat> yeah, what? No. No, no, I, I think that's a good pick because, I mean, basically, Rob Lowe goes off on a bus at the end of the movie, and that's all we know. So, Well, it, this movie was so much about the the transition from college to adult life. I would love to see what happened to them during their adult lives, like where they wound up. I would love to see. And I was thinking about I this. I think that's called She's Having a Baby, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, no, but it's but it's well, on. it's now two thousand whatever it is, <laughs> and yeah. we don't keep track here on the show. But you know, it, it would be present day, so I, I'm kind of curious how. Oh, you want to come all the way up? Yes, I do. Yeah. that's what I want to do. Okay. Yeah, and I think I would be so fascinated okay. to see like what happens to Judd Nelson's character in particular because he makes that pivot from becoming a he, he was you know a, a Democrat and and a politician, and then he started working for the Republican. I can't remember if it was a state senator or something or other. Um, So then how does that, you know, what is he today? What happens to him today? So I don't know. I was just thinking that might be kind of cool. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. That would be interesting to see. (laughs) What what about you, Brad? (laughs) Well, of course I'm really kind of pulling for somewhere else in time. Um, But my official, (laughs) my official answer, my real answer is, I don't know if you remember at the end of the greatest love letter to the Western movies of the eighties, the end of Silverado, as they ride off into the sunset, Scott Glenn and Kevin Costner, he turns and yells, we'll be back. And I'm still waiting for that Silverado sequel. I am oh, still waiting for it. I want to change my answer back to Brad's. I want to just co-sign Brad's. That's awesome. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I don't think he ever had any intention of making a sequel, but they just left the door open for it. Oh, that's nice. Silverado 2. No, Silverados. Silverado, yeah. Silverados. Silverado. Hey, if you have a pick for a sequel that you wish could, would still happen, email us, podcast at sit80s.com. In the meantime, we'll be back next week because uh, Brad, Jen, and I are here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. We'll be back! Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. You're starting to sound more and more like a game show host. That's okay. That's what we are. That's what we are. We're hucksters. <laughs> We're the best kind of hucksters, though. <laughs>